Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, a Catholic priest had an infected molar, so he went to the dentist. And the dentist was able to see him, and he was able to do a root canal and take care of the problem. Oh, the priest was very thankful. Doc, how much do I owe you? And the dentist said, no, a man of the cloth, no charge. Oh, thank you so much. And he, he went home. And the next day when the dentist came into his office, there was a bottle of wine with a thank you note from the Catholic priest. Well, that day, a Baptist minister walked into the dentist's office. He had a problem with a wisdom tooth. It was giving him a lot of pain. The doctor was able to see him. In fact, he extracted the tooth. Oh, thank, thankfully, no more pain. How much do I owe you? What can I give you? You do so much for the community, reverend. No charge. Oh, thank you so much. Went home. The next morning, doctor came in. There was a fruit basket with a thank you card. Well, now that day, so happens, a Lutheran pastor walked into the dentist's office. He had a whole mouthful of cavities that were giving him trouble. Can you see him? Yeah, the doctor was able to see him. He took care. He filled what could. He capped what he could. Oh, he was so thankful. What do I owe you, doc? No, no, nothing, reverend. Oh, he went home. The next day, when the doctor came in, there were five more Lutheran pastors waiting, in, <laughs> waiting to get <laughs> But not just Lutheran pastors like me. <laughs> we all kind of like to get something free once in a while, don't we? Or we all like a good deal or a bargain or a tax-free weekend before, you know, go back to school, or um, buy one, get one free. We refinance our mortgage if it's good, if we can get a better rate, okay? We like, my wife, at least, likes to shop at thrift stores and get a, a blouse that costs 80 bucks, and she can get it for eight, you know, and she feels like satisfied. We all do, right? We have satisfaction when we get a good deal on a used car, or, uh, I don't know, but it's also frustrating, isn't it, when you fill up with a tank of gas, and then tomorrow the price goes down 10 cents, and you go, oh, man, or when you need to get a fridge, and you go ahead and buy a new refrigerator, and then next week it goes on special, and it's kind of frustrating. In fact, I'm still kind of a little ticked off at 7-Eleven that they don't give me that seventh cup of coffee for free like, you know, like they used to do it. So, Get serious a little bit. How would you, what would you think and how would you like to make a deal with God? I hope that kind of sounds strange and it probably sounds a little scary too, doesn't it? What can we offer God. <laughs> what do we have 
what chips do we have to negotiate with God? With We're sinners standing before a holy God. We're at a distinct disadvantage. God needs nothing from us, right? We need God. We need to be close to God. We need God. We need to be in communion, in fellowship with God, in communication with God, in agreement with God. Even as believers, sometimes we think we can get along without God, okay? We might even get, uh, move away from him a little bit, but it's not going to work in the long run, okay? Let's be honest. There's nothing worse in life than going through life being separated from God, except maybe to be separated from God for all eternity. God made us to be in a relationship with him. And then we know sin happened. We rebelled against God. All of us have a sinful human nature that are separated from God. Yes, plenty of people feel like they can dictate to God what are the terms of agreement between them and God, but it's not that way. If we're going to have a relationship with our God, our Creator, if we're going to be with God, He has to take the first step, doesn't He? He has to give us the terms of agreement. He has to establish the relationship. God will have to offer us a good deal, the terms of agreement, a covenant okay, between him according to his good and perfect will, but for our benefit. Okay? Now, the language of agreements and deals and pacts and covenants, that's part of Holy Thursday, isn't it? It's part of our worship here this evening. It's part of uh, the Lord's Supper that, we, that was instituted on the first Holy Thursday. It's part of the, the sacrament that we will celebrate here in person this evening. It's part of all three of the lessons that we already heard. And it's part of that Jeremiah, the Old Testament lesson that serves as my base, the basis for my words here. The prophet Jeremiah spoke about two covenants because God actually made two covenants with his people. Our reading speaks about them. A new pact with Israel that was coming. And so if there's this new pact that was coming, we can logically, well, there must have been a previous, an older pact, a previous one, as Jeremiah said, the one that he had made with their forefathers. The prophet Jeremiah lived under that first pact, which sometimes we call the Old Testament, right? But he was looking forward to, he was anticipating this new covenant. Let's just take a second and kind of set the stage here so we are on the same page. So that all people, and I mean all people, all human beings, so that all people might have a relationship with him, okay? And so that all people might know that he sent a Savior and that all people might live with him, not just now, but for all eternity, God chose one specific people, the descendants of Abraham. You guys know 
enough Bible history. And God called them and made them his own special people. He made a pact with them. He rescued them from slavery in Egypt, right? He promised to give them this land flowing with milk and honey. He would bless them. But he wanted them to be his light to the world. He wanted to bless the whole world through his special people. And so because of that, he made this what we call the first covenant between God and the children of Israel. That was formally ratified. It was sort of sealed after they left Egypt and when they came to the foot of Mount Sinai. Remember at Mount Sinai, in, amid thunder and lightning and earthquakes, how the Lord had given his people the Ten Commandments, what we call the moral law. But he also included what we call the civil law, which dictated their day-to-day lives, and also the ceremonial law, which dictated to them how to worship God and how their spiritual life would be. Now, I want to ask you a question. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but did you ever wonder what it would be like, what it would be like to live in the Old Testament? <laughs> I mean... Maybe somebody said, yeah, it would have been nice to be there when David you know, threw, threw that stone and killed Goliath or you know, to be present for one of those famous Bible stories. But think about how different life for God's people in the Old Testament was. Living under the pact of the Old Testament. Things like the Sabbath day, every Every week there was a day of rest. Things like circumcision, all male uh, offspring would be circumcised. Things, God told them what they could and couldn't eat. God told them um, how to worship him and how often to worship him. And there were sacrifices for sin and there were sacrifices for fellowship. And God specified there were rules and there were regulations for almost every aspect of life. Okay, And they all had this sort of a teaching purpose behind them. But at the same time, they served sort of as the terms of agreement for God's people in their lives with him. That first covenant was bilateral. Okay? In other words, it was among two, God and his people, and it was conditional. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Maybe some examples in in day-to-day life. You pay me $20,000, you can drive away in a new car. Or you use so many kilowatts of energy, and then you'll pay your electric bill. This is kind of like give and take, right? It's an agreement, a contract, a covenant. It's kind of what God said in in a way. You will be my people, and this is how it will be and I will be your God. And do you remember what the people said over there at Mount Sinai when God said that? They all said it. Great. (laughs) We will do it. And how did it go? How did it go? You guys remember your history, right? And Jeremiah said it in chapter 31. They broke my covenant. There was nothing wrong with that covenant that God made. There was nothing wrong with God. What was wrong? The people. (laughs) 
that God was faithful. He was like a faithful husband to them. But they were not faithful. They were like an unfaithful wife or bride. Almost immediately, when Moses was still coming down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, do you remember what he found down below? The children of Israel worshiping a golden calf. Almost like a wife flirting with another man when they're on their honeymoon. (laughs) Something like that. The people didn't and they weren't able to keep their end of the bargain. And their history, the history of God's people in the Old Testament, is full of examples of their unfaithfulness, right? Can we identify? Just take a moment before we move on. Can we identify? We've been blessed. We've been blessed with life and health and many blessings. We've been blessed even more with eternal life through our Savior Jesus, right? How faithful have we been? Is there anyone who can stand before God and say, Lord, everything you ask, I have promised to do and I have done it? Is there any one of us that can make that claim? No. Is there something wrong with an agreement? (laughs) Is there something wrong with God? No. There's something wrong with all of us. And that's why that old covenant that God made with his people in the Old Testament that was bilateral and it was conditional but it was also always meant to be temporary. Okay? It never was meant to be the last word. It was always destined to be inadequate, never finished, never completed, never perfect. And so Jeremiah, for that reason, thinking about the first covenant, looks forward to a new covenant, to a better covenant, the next step, what God was intending to get to all along, okay? I'd like to read verses 33 and 34 again, if, if you have them in front of you in your bulletin, otherwise you can just listen. Uh, and verse 33, Jeremiah says, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. But then the most important, listen up, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. This new covenant, in essence, is also very simple. I will forgive their sin. And I will remember their wickedness no longer. And central to that new covenant and to its forgiveness is, you know, is Jesus. And this new covenant ushered in by Jesus is not bilateral, it's unilateral. It's not conditional, it's unconditional. It's not temporary, it's permanent, and it's for all. And that covenant, this covenant includes you and me. God in his son Jesus, who was condemned and was crucified and was buried, 
after being abandoned by God to pay for the sins of the world? Well, he has forgiven our sins. Jesus' forgiveness is a fact, right, for the whole world. Not if we're good enough. (laughs) Not if we repent well enough. Not if we've done enough good things to make up for the bad things. It's all God's doing. Kind of feel it's all passive. It's not our doing. We don't contribute. We don't bring a lot to the table. It's just God coming to give to us, to forgive us, to give us peace and comfort and forgiveness. We receive, we benefit because he forgives and our sins are gone and we're his. I think you guys recognize, does the world function with this principle of grace? I think you reckon the world is different, right? The world is give and take. The world, and, it, and if somehow there's a break and an injustice or somehow a, a failure on one side or another, it's pointing it out, it's condemning it, it's whatever. And not forgetting, but remembering, okay? You know, human beings, according to our sinful nature, we can't even imagine that God would not need our earning or our deserving or our doing in the least until Jesus breaks through and initiates this new covenant where God says, I will forgive your sins, period. And I will remember your sins no more. The days are coming. The days are here. And you and I are part of this new covenant that God has initiated for all people in the forgiveness of sin. And this evening, on this Good Thursday, we have the chance to participate in, in part of that. And God, in his wisdom and his goodness, has given a special aspect of that new covenant in, his, in the Lord's Supper. Okay. That, we heard about it in a little bit in the gospel lesson. The Lord made all the preparations. He, he was careful. He sent his disciples ahead. And then they celebrated Jesus celebrated with his disciples the Passover. They heard the readings. They sang the hymns. They ate the meal. They spoke the prayers. And they remembered God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. But as they were sharing that meal, Jesus gave them something more. A new covenant, right? Certainly must have surprised them. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it to them, gave it to them, and said, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the wine, take and drink, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And continue to do this. Now, did they understand it 100% completely? Knowing Jesus' disciples, probably not 100%, but they believed him, and they continued to do that, and they received, didn't they? They received the blessings of God, of communion with God, because it's always that way. Even the Lord's Supper is about Jesus offering and about us receiving. 
Jesus' body, Jesus' blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take, eat, take, and drink. This is yours, the forgiveness. Yes, we prepare, you know, as believers, we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper, right? That's logical and it's helpful and beneficial and right, as the Bible tells us. But we don't bring anything when we come to the Lord's altar. We come simply to receive and to taste and see and to know that our sins are forgiven and that we receive with Christ's body and blood the forgiveness of our sin and comfort for when we doubt and strengthening for when our faith wavers. Okay? All of these bless, through all of these blessings, Jesus feeds and strengthens us in our faith. May God bless our celebration of the Lord's Supper tonight and always, right? as often as he calls us and invites us and offers to us his body and his blood. You know, in the Lord's Supper and really in every aspect of our relationship under God, God has made a deal with us, you could say. He didn't consult us. He didn't consider anything that we might bring to the table. He just promised and he gave. He gave himself, Jesus did. God's love, our membership in God's family, our place in heaven where we will be with God for all eternity, that is God's gift to us, to you and to me through Jesus our Savior. It's given to Jews and Gentiles, to all people through faith in Jesus as a free gift because Jesus born into that first covenant initiated this new covenant of forgiveness and life and salvation. Jesus is God's gift to you, right? And his body and his blood are Jesus' gifts to you for your faith and for your life and for all eternity. The cost of our sin is something we we cannot pay. But the gift of God is more and better than anything we could ever have imagined. It really is that simple. It, it really is that clean and easy. It's done and it's perfect. It's this new covenant, a good deal, a great deal, the best deal ever. A new covenant in Jesus, our Savior, our only hope and our sure hope for you and for me. Thank you, Jesus, right, for your love and for the new covenant that you bring and give us. Amen. And the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding may keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.